Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. What is nothing? Yeah, that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? That's deep, bro. Oh, welcome to That's Deep, bro. I'm your host, Christina P. Thank you for downloading this episode. Big episode. Uh, this week. Very exciting stuff to get into. But first, let's do some business. March 30th and 31st, I'm doing stand-up comedy at Herium Comedy Club in Portland, Oregon. Tickets for that are going super, super fast. I know I keep saying that. The first show Saturday is already sold out. Uh, first show Friday looks like it's going that way too. So hop on that shit, guys. Um, and then April 29th, one night, one show, Cobb's Comedy Club in San Francisco, uh, city of my alma mater of, uh, you know, USF, man, all the way, go Duns. I can't wait. I love San Francisco. I love going back there. May 4th, Huntington, Hunt, Huntington, Huntington Beach, California, uh, the Rec Room Comedy Club, the Rec Room at Glow Zone, I believe is what that's called, uh, and Huntington, and then May 9th, Oxnard. California Levity Live Oxnard Levity Live I hear it's an amazing venue It's relatively new And I I can't wait to check it out So tickets are at Christina P Online Get those Do your Amazon shopping Using my banner On that Steve Bro Podcast Dot Yeah There you go uh, Alright What else do I have for you? So many things Call from mom Answer it. Call silence. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, let's get into it. I got a lot of stuff to cover. And I've been listening to Electric Light Orchestra. Don't ask me why. I mean, it's really not my lane. I, you know me, I don't like fucking hippie music. But I don't know. I like these. It's so it's silly. This music's silly.
silly. What a silly man. I like them. I don't know, Gabby. I was watching my kid take a bath, and I'm like, oh, electric light orchestra, man. He got into that. I can't wait to teach my kid about good music. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so this week, guys, I've been, uh, man, I'm really stretching my boundaries here this week. I I enrolled in, a, in an acting class, and um, man, like, you know, I've always been um, in this business really rewarded for being an asshole. You know, just kind of... Um, I usually get hired to, you know, write for shows or uh, I say snarky things in in a bubble, you know, like those VH1 shows where, you know, I love the 90s or whatever the hell. I did a lot of those, a lot of clip shows and World's Dumbest and this and that. But, you know, acting's always been my kind of a, I don't know, I think because it requires feelings um, and being vulnerable, it's just like, oof. For some reason, I can do it as a stand-up. Super easy to be vulnerable with hundreds of people. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, I'm doing it. You know, I uh, I got to do it because I have some stuff come up that I want to try and this and that. But it's uh, it's really... It's hard. It's so hard to step out of your comfort zone. And I forget because I, I, I believe in this rule uh, of just doing stuff you're good at. I don't fuck with shit that I can't do really well and I think that's that's important when you're 41 to learn you just learn like hey I'm not there's some stuff I'm not great at and um that's fine I don't have to be good at everything I just have to be really good at small like this these few things and fuck all the rest and I think that's the key to success for a lot of people is focus on the strong suit and you know forget the rest of the stuff so anyways I, I have to stretch out I just have to it's it's time it's time and um you know it's uh I just have to keep reminding myself uh, and I, I think it happens when you do anything new any new enterprise you got to remind yourself like to be to be kind to yourself and to be patient and um and not expect perfection and to to just be kind to yourself because it's so it's so horrible. You know how many years people spend acting their whole lives, just their whole their whole lives, and uh, it's it's so hard. It really it's it's such a skill. Um, gosh, you have so much respect for people that can actually do it for a living. But I'm having to you know to 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 stretch to reach and i you know I, that's what your emails are about every week right is i'm afraid to do this thing i don't know what to do i'm trying this how do i do this and that and it's like well how do you do anything new you you chart you you, you prepare as best you can and you pick the best players right you go to the best you you surround yourself with good people and then you uh you know, you dip your toe in and you patiently, kindly move forward in the the mud of your own stuff. And it's really easy to shit on yourself. I know in this acting class, excuse me, there's the, I think we're going to go over it next class where there, you talk about the bad thoughts you have about your acting and then the good thoughts you can replace those thoughts with, all that stuff. I'm from Weaver and all that, but it's going to be interesting to hear other people's horrible thoughts in their head. <laughs> Because God knows I have my own. Uh, but it's cute. It's good because like, uh, I get to be in class with like 20-year-old um, people again. And like, I love 20-somethings. I love that age. I just, I feel so much empathy for, for anybody going through their 20s. It's like the fucking worst thing. And 
it's such a decade of anxiety and suffering and like there's so much pressure on you You, like you've just graduated from college usually and the world is like well what are you gonna do now millennial get your shit together and they're just like wait what what do you mean i mean my generation too can graduate now what you don't have a job yet you're not a professional yet (laughs) it's so horrible there's so much pressure Especially if you want to be a creative person, you've got to like really double down on all that stuff. Uh, so, but I'm enjoying um, hanging out with these kiddos, and I'm uh, pregnant, so I think I can't even imagine what I look like to them. I must be like the oldest person in the world when like a 24 year old girl looks at me. <laughs> They're like, "Are you 80?" I can't even imagine what I must. <sighs> so funny because I remember when I was that age. Like, I didn't talk to 40-year-olds. 40-year-olds were so gross to me because they were, like, they're usually all spiritual and together and, like, ugh, what do they talk? What do they do, 40-year-olds? They probably just have dinner parties and, like, do yoga and um, shop at Crate and Barrel, which is pretty accurate, actually. It's just exactly what we all do, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> it's such a world apart. It's and it's. Um, I had like this group of twenty-something year, year old kids at my house. We were rehearsing, and they were like, "One girl goes, I haven't been in a house, in a house since I left my parents, <laughs> an actual house." I was like, "I know, boo boo." I'm like double your age. You know, you'll you'll have it too when you're hopefully you know forty something. But God, boy, do I remember. Boy, do I remember. Fresh in my memory. Not so long ago. Being a 20-something and just cute as a button, but totally lost and feeling like shit will never pan out. But it does. It does. Believe me, kiddos. You just hang in there and you stick You stick to the course. You do your things and you, you suffer and, you know, you get through that shit, right? Ugh. Oh, but the suffering. You have to go through it. There's always suffering. There's always suffering involved in change and in growth, right? There's no such thing as like you just pop, you're there, and no, it's always a process. And there's always growing pains. It's always, it's tough. It's tough, man. Every stage in life has a new, a new ball of fuckery uh, to get yourself into. I mean, hell, man, I'm at the stage of like about to have a second kid. <laughs> what is that going to be like? I mean... I don't know. Some days one, you're like, I don't even know if I can do another. I don't even know. I don't even know. I mean, I love him to death. He's the light of my life, but fuck, I'm tired. I uh, And if he cries one more time, my head's going to explode. Add in another one. Am I out of my mind? <laughs> but then I think stuff like, you know what? You only live once. And I, I just love being a mother and I love I love this kid. I can't, I can't see him being an only child. I hated being an only child. It was so depressing. I was just, I was just thinking that last night how, like, I just, I was alone all the time, just alone, being weird, watching TV, listening to records, (sighs) talking to the wall. I can't, I can't do that to my kid, man. That that shit ain't right. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to have another kid. I'm going to do it. And, you know, and I'm an old ass mom too, so. That means I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna drop dead. I want him to have a fucking sibling. Okay, uh, let's get into some emails because I really, really, uh, they're so good. They're so good. 
And hopefully my nose won't get too congested as we do this. Sorry, guys. It's just a pregnancy thing. You know, when you start talking, it's like, <sighs> okay, let's do our intro. You want to know why you're all fucked up? Thank you, Dan Pena. Oh, and look, the music started for my iTunes. Oh, my God. Is this a professional production or what? You know what I mean? Am I a fucking podcaster? <sighs> okay. This is from Angie. Angie, Angie, she writes, I, I'm honestly confused here. I keep hearing how important it is to feel your feelings. Why? If my feelings suck, why would I want to feel shitty if I can avoid it? I know that not feeling your shitty feelings leads to addictive behavior, but why? How does one lead to the other? I guess I need to understand the full circle to believe it. Thanks. <laughs> I know. I agree with you. Why? Why? Why do I have to feel the shitty feelings? Why? I know. And see, that's, but that's the thinking that gets you into addiction and drinking. So what happens? Okay, you're sitting around, and uh, at least this is how I go through it. I'm sitting around the house or whatever, and I just feel yucky inside, right? Something's wrong. I'm just meowy. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to go out. I don't want to have fun. I don't want to talk to anybody. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? You know? Well, I learned that when I start to feel that way, it's because I'm actually not feeling something. And then, uh, and then I stop and I go, okay, what am I avoiding right now? What, what's the avoidance behavior? Because that's, that's just me. And if I think about it, you know, it's usually a handful of uh, issues that I go through over and over. It's not that, I'm not that creative in what I feel, you know, get bummed about. Uh, and then I go, oh yeah, that that's it. Okay. Yeah. I, I think it is that sadness about X, Y, and Z, right? And I will uh, immerse myself in the feeling, okay? I'll put on some music, maybe make myself sadder, but sit there and really just let it kind of wash through me. Like you let it pass through you in a porous manner. Like it keeps you kind of soft and pliable. And we do this because if we resist the bad feeling, if you resist it and you go, you know what? I don't like feeling bad. By the way, nobody likes feeling bad feelings. Nobody enjoys it. Just like nobody enjoys diarrhea or vomiting. Like you just fucking sometimes do it, right? Especially me with the vomiting. But anyway, uh, you don't like it. But the problem is nobody likes it. But if you avoid, the avoidance behavior becomes more destructive than just chilling out for a few minutes, excuse me, and letting it pass through you, letting it go through you. And the avoidance of the bad feeling is the the devil, basically. Um, Why? Because your brain is going to fucking play tricks on you and try to get you around the thing that's uncomfortable, i.e. feeling, feeling, feeling. And that's when you're going to pick up a bunch of bad habits and do horrible shit to yourself, uh, avoidance behavior. Why? I don't know. It's human nature. It's just a human trait. Uh, we don't like feeling bad. Nobody likes feeling bad. And that's also a lot of our American culture, I think, you know, hey, what's the basis of capitalism, right? Have a Coke and a smile, asshole. You feel fat, there's something you can buy for that. You feel depressed, there's a pill you can take for that. You feel ugly? Guess what? There's a surgery you can do uh, for that. 
if you get this car, girls are going to want to fuck you. And uh, if your thighs are thinner, if you use this product, guys guys are going to love you too. So, like, there's this whole industry built on avoiding your feelings of feeling fat, ugly, inferior, sad, whatever it is. Um. Yeah. So feelings are like part of the human experience from what I understand. I don't like them either. Listen, Angie, you're talking to somebody who's a grade A feeling avoider for, uh, I would say a good 37 years of my life has been spent avoiding feeling stuff. And instead of feeling stuff, I would like overeat, maybe drink, whatever the fuck I would do, stupid things. Uh, workaholism, workaholicism, workaholism, uh, all, all that shit, right? But yeah, you you do have to feel shitty. Um, you just have to. Like I said, it's like having diarrhea or any other unpleasant part of the human experience. But once you find that you allow yourself to just feel stuff, it gets easier. And once you realize that it's not a permanent state of your being, right? Like, hey, I'm sad about this thing, but... We, you know what it is? Like we get so built up in our heads about the anxiety about feeling the thing. that That's the actual torture of it is the anxiety about feeling bad. Because <laughs> once you just feel sad and you let yourself cry or you let it pass through you, uh, you go, oh, okay, well, that was it. That was the storm, right? This is, the metaphor of the storm has been used in like so many Charlotte Bronte books, Bronte sisters, right? I don't know. The Awakening, fucking all these, every, if you ever watch like a, a movie and there's a storm it's to signify like change the 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 feelings the emotion something is on the horizon right and and it has to make way for the new and the storm allows the chaos to come up and then it, it passes and then something new comes that's always the metaphor of a storm in literature or film okay same with feelings, right? It's a storm. It's a storm before the calm. It's all that shit is, man. And here's the, here's the real thing of it, too. If you're not allowing yourself to feel sadness, which is what I learned in, oh, a decade or so of therapy, uh, you also cheat yourself out of joy. And that's the real, the crazy part. It's not like you can lock off one emotion in your body and, and in your heart and in your mind, whatever. You can't lock off one thing and be like, I'll feel all this other shit, but not this. It doesn't work that way. It kind of shuts every, all the systems go down in humans. And uh, yeah, I mean, you've seen people that can't feel. They're called sociopaths, CEOs, um, Harvey Weinsteins. These guys are, they don't feel shit and they end up hurting other people, you know, to compensate for that horrible, those bad feelings that they're not feeling. That's really, that's really the truth of it. It's so fucking scary. It's so crazy because I feel like the world would um, benefit so much if you just felt your feelings. That's really the crux of so many problems and traumatized people. And it's rightly so. I mean, when you're traumatized as as a young person or whatever, you're taught that feelings are bad right? So of course you're not going to want to feel them because you've been taught over and over repeatedly that you're fucking weak. Don't cry. Crying's for sissies. My father actually said to me, would actually say to me, oh, well, crying is just feeling sorry for yourself. (sighs) (laughs) Crying is just feeling sorry for yourself. I mean, he also thought that conditioner was just putting grease back into your hair. Those are direct quotes. Um, 
Now, do you think he was raised by an empathetic, enlightened set of parents? No, of course not, which is why he believed those horrible things. <laughs> uh, but as, it is our duty as... Uh, it is my duty as a, I'm not even first generation American, my son is, but as uh, as an American in a first world country who has the means to correct this thinking, this destructive thinking, uh, it's my duty to fucking correct it. So I do. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you've been you know taught the feelings are bad and, and people tell their kids shit all the time that's wrong. I see it constantly. Uh, when the kid's crying about something, it's okay. It's okay. You want to comfort? It's a, stop. Stop. Just it's okay. It's okay. What are you doing? You're telling that kid that they're not entitled to feel how they feel. <laughs> just stop. 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 I don't want to hear this. You know, it's all right. You're fine. Buck it up. Suck it up. Well-meaning, but I, I think really flawed way in dealing with little people who have, especially toddlers, have tremendous feelings happening all the time. They're feeling storms. They go from zero to 10 all day, every day. And that's their job is to just go from zero to 10. <laughs> so when they're at the 10, it's like, you just got to let it pass. You got to let the storm pass and it does. And then they're sweet as pie again. And then, you know, they're learning to manage their feelings. And it's my job to hold a space, right? As my therapist said, you got to hold a space. Let that kid do what he's going to do. Because that's how you fucking make fucked up people telling little boys especially little boys oh my god there's a whole generation of fucking serial killer men uh namely my father's generation uh you know they're made into fucking psychos because their mommies and their daddies told them what homos they were for crying suck it up suck it up sissy quit your crying right It's really dark. It's really terrible. So I agree with you, Angie. Um, I don't like to feel bad feelings either. Nobody does. And you really can't avoid it. That's the fucking rub too. You think you're avoiding it by drinking, by whatever destructive behavior you're doing, sex, gambling, you name it, whatever vice, but you're not. It's just, it's going to come back even harder, you know, because you end up doing worse shit. You drink, you throw shit across the room, you get into fights with people, you whatever, and now you're in jail and you wake up and you're ashamed and then the whole cycle continues. That's why you feel your feelings now. So you don't fucking up. Okay, let's move on. Ilaria, remember that beautiful named Ilaria? Uh, so great. She writes, my first name is Ilaria, Uh, And it means cheerful. Isn't that funny? That's great. It's Italian. Anyway, she wrote back to me. uh, She said she's going. So the problem was her her mother, who she has no contact with, is going to be at an upcoming wedding of her her cousins. And uh, Ilaria was debating whether or not to go because she's no contact with her mom and she knows she's going to get roped into some bullshit with her. And I, I suggested she go. Don't let her fucking ruin your life, right? So she says, I'm going to go. Because as you said, I can't give her this much power. Not anymore. Yeah, girl. Get your life, Ilaria. Very happy for you. And as I said last week, you know, uh, just do your best to protect yourself. There's nothing wrong. You got to protect your neck, right? insulate yourself surround yourself with the good people don't sit at the fucking table with her tell your cousin in advance i don't want to be at a table with my mom please don't put me there 
uh, have an exit strategy. Have uh, have a plan because you know she's going to fuck with you. She's going to say some messed up shit. That's what they do, these crazy people. Plan on it. Plan that she's going to be a turd so you know what you're going to do and say and think, okay? Anyways, let's move on. This next one, uh, this is a sweet one. This one's so sweet. This is from Lewis. Oh, my first little friend growing up, his name was Lewis. Hi, Mommy. So I haven't really ever dated in my 30 years. I've mostly just hooked up with girls here and there. Where's my glasses? I mean, am I fucking 80 years old? I got to put my Anna Wintour's on. My longest relationship lasted a month, which is about 10 years ago. But lately, I've been feeling lonely, and honestly, I'm a bit tired of just sex, so I thought I'd start dating again. The only problem is that I work a lot, 60-hour weeks. Oof. I don't have much free time. Now, I love my job, but sometimes I feel like it's getting in the way of any potential love life. I mean, would you date someone who you'd see for an hour or two a day? Do you think I'm just using my job as an excuse to not date? Do people who work 50, 60 plus hours per week actually date? Is this what grown-up dating is? Much love, no hate, Lewis. Hey, uh, do you think that he's using his job as an excuse not to date? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think people use work as an excuse to not live a lot of their lives. I think Americans especially are so prone, especially men, uh, are prone to workaholism. Work, workaholicism. Fuck, I don't know. Uh, are prone to that. That's what America is based on. And look at the Japanese. By the way, the Japanese who work more than 60 hours a week, I read some article that they're just dropping dead in the streets. I don't know if that's true. Uh, but like Japanese businessmen are just dropping on the streets from exhaustion. And it's not cool. It's not fucking right. Uh, yeah, I do. I, I think you are using uh, workaholism to not live, not just get alone, let alone date. And uh, I get it. I do. I think I did the same. I did the same shit for a decade. So, uh, you've only had longest relationship. Well, it said one month, which is about ten years ago. Yeah. So you're pretty fucking. You're ready, dude. You're thirty years old. And you've only had one relationship that's lasted one month? Wow. You got to get on this, dude. Because here's what happens, Lewis, my love. If you, if you wait even longer, you're going to be a wag. A weird, alone guy. And uh, it doesn't sound like you want to be a wag. It's fine to be a wag if you want to be one. It doesn't sound like you want to be. So, yeah. Uh, here's what we're going to do, my love. My sweet lamb, your work is getting in the way. It is of finding a potential love life. Because here's here's the truth of it, okay? And I understand in the beginning of if you're a business owner and your shit is you're trying to get things up and running. Yes, there's going to be a few years or whatever where you're hustling. You're in the hustle. You're in the grind, and you gotta fucking work your twelve hour days. You gotta go in on the weekends. But then once things are up and running. If you're successful, if you're if you're doing it right, you have people take over certain tasks for you. You outsource, excuse me, you outsource things. Um, you streamline things. Why are you working sixty hours a week? It's not. A, it's too much. Uh, 
And also, like, this idea that you have to work all the time to be productive is so wrong. You know, I, I don't know if this is just a function of my middle-aged brain, but, like, I keep having this thing lately. Whenever I think about work and home life and the balance and all that stuff, I literally think of myself sitting on my deathbed, and I do this all the time. When someone asks me, like, hey, do you want to go to this town or do this gig or blah, 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 and I know that that's going to take me away from my family for days or or it's going to eat up time that I don't fucking have, Right. I always go, okay, well, is this going to be something when I'm sitting on my deathbed, I'm going to go, you know what? I'm really stoked I did that. I'm really fucking stoked I took that gig in, uh, in uh, you know, whatever, Peoria for five days where I could have done, you know, one show in a theater as opposed whatever the fuck the balance is, okay? And the older you get to, you get more leverage, hopefully, in your time management. Because it's true, in your 20s and even in your 30s, your time is not your own generally because you're working for somebody else or, you know, you're working your way up. So, yes, it's to be expected. But the older you get, hopefully, you've gotten to a place where you can manage your time more wisely. You work more efficiently. As I was saying at the top of this show, I generally don't do shit that I'm bad at. Why? Because it's not efficient. It is fucking inefficient and it's a waste of my time. Uh, I'm not going to be a ballerina. I'm not going to be a dancer. Why? Because I'm a fucking stand-up comedian and all I know how to do is write a good shit joke. And, and I'm there, you know what I'm saying? Like there, there, there's things I'm good at. I, 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 I don't fuck with things I'm bad at. So if I do things I'm bad at, i.e. this acting class right now, it's because there's a purpose, there's a design, there's a reason. And I've also set aside the time knowing that I will be devoting it to this thing, right? I'm setting aside the time to do this thing because there's a long-term benefit. There's a cost-benefit analysis. Now I ask you this, my love, Lewis. How much time do you really need to work? Really? And, and really fucking, you know, when I worked a nine to five job, I was stunned by how little time in those eight hour days I would actually spend doing work. And you fucking know that. Okay. You know that shit. Okay. You come in, uh, you stroll in and you, you start times nine, you stroll in nine fifteen. you get your coffee, you thumb your cooch a little, you're looking at, you know, your emails, you're checking the Facebook, you're uh, you're on the grant, whatever it is, you're dicking around. You're not being efficient. You're not. And I know you're like, but I have to work this hard to sustain this thing. Okay. Well, on your deathbed, what are you going to be more stoked about that you worked 60 hours a week or that you re- reorganized your life, you reprioritized your life so that you could make room for other things? And that's the truth of it. And that's why we don't exercise. And that's why you don't fucking have time for love. That's why you don't have time to relax or enjoy movies or whatever it is that you enjoy. It's because you're not prioritizing your time wisely. That's just it. Your priorities are somewhere else. And right now your priorities are in work for whatever reason you're going to tell yourself, right? You got, I got to do this. I got to put, okay, all right. I guarantee you, and especially once you start having kids, you will fucking realize how much time you have wasted, how much jerk-off time you've actually spent doing nothing. Because once you have a family, oh boy, you start to economize on everything. So, and by the way, is it even that fun to work 60 hours a week? Is it really good? 
And are you really working all that time? And wouldn't it be wonderful to have a love life? Wouldn't it be wonderful to come home and cook dinner with some great girl who you love and spend the night with her? So yeah, create the space, cut back, figure out where you can, where you can trim the fat in your schedule and start fucking dating people. Now, from what I understand, I just met a girl. I was doing my research at the hair salon, talking to a millennial, and she met her boyfriend online. You know, there's a million of these apps. I don't, I can't tell you what it's called. I don't know. But I asked her about these apps and she goes, yeah, you know, you, you meet a bunch of people. You meet a lot of people you never normally would. And I just kept meeting them and meeting them until I met this guy and we had a great time and now we're dating. It's been almost a year, blah, blah, blah. So put yourself out there. Fuck the past. Don't think about your, you know, don't tell her either on your first date. I've only ever had one one relationship 10 years ago. Uh, But you have to put yourself out there. You know, it sucks. It does. Um, And yeah. And yeah, put yourself out there. Time to get on the apps. Time to put time towards that. Because I, from what I understand, that is a another part-time job <laughs> uh, is dating. From what I understand, the millennials are telling me, guys, my research is that it's fucking, uh, it's a whole other thing. It's, it's, I guess there's companies now that manage people's dating lives because it's such a time consumer. So yeah, prepare yourself for that, right? You're going to prepare yourself to spend time dating. Um, and also, I might suggest seeing a shrink. Why is it that you are running from um, relationships so much? What is, what is it about being with women that terrifies you so? Uh, what happened? What happened in that last one? Whatever the fuck it is. See, shrink, get your life, start fucking. You know why? Life's too short not to enjoy the company of a, of a partner that you enjoy. Why, why be alone? Unless, unless being alone brings you joy. Or get a dog. You know what, man? Actually, Louis, I would tell you, I would tell you to start with an animal. I don't know if you're a cat person or a dog person. Start with an animal. Uh, rescue a cat or a dog and make time for that little dude. I think it'll start to open your heart. I think that's the way to start. Um, it'll get you feeling, it'll get you loving, it'll get you, you know, warm and fuzzies and you can go social. For instance, I am a a Brussels Griffon enthusiast. (laughs) That's my breed. And there are all these like Brussels Griffon, meetup groups. Uh, I don't go to them because I fucking have a child in a life that is way too demanding. I would love to go to a Brussels Griffon meetup group, honestly. But I was thinking like if I were single and I wanted to make new friends and, you know, meet dudes, like I would find other people that like the same corny stuff that I do. I love Brussels. I would go and meet these nerds that have the same dog breed of dog that I do. And I would talk Brussels shit with them. So yeah, find an animal and then get involved in animal groups. I don't know about all that. But why not? Why not get a cat or a dog? Come on, put some love in your life. Start there and then baby step it. And please let me know how it goes. Um, I'm so curious. I'm so curious. Let me know. Get your dating life, mommy. Get your dating life. All right. All right. Let's see. Oh, sorry, guys. I pee every hour. 
every motherfucking hour I get up to piss. I swear to God. It's really fun. Okay. Hi, Christina. Uh, what, what can a bro do when he loves somebody who ostensibly does not want to get better? Ooh. So this is quite a topic, but here we go. You often talk about the importance of not letting other people's problems become your problems, and I usually agree. I strive not to get dragged into other people's psychological bullshit that I know I cannot fix. But I find myself in a relationship with a guy, we are gay men in our 20s, who, are, who was a victim of child sexual abuse. Every little thing sends him on a catastrophizing spiral of negative emotions about anyone who has wronged him in the past, almost as though he has grown to view everyone, me included, he has a negative interaction with as an abuser. Dude has a crazy victim complex, but how can I blame him? He is a victim after all. He refuses to get help. I want to tell him he's a dummy because he's only been to talk therapy where the extent of the treatment has basically been, I'm sorry that happened to you. And it has proven that CBT, DBT, EMDR, et cetera, are much better treatments for PTSD, especially this EMDR. Uh, Paul Gilmartin talks about it a lot on his Mental Illness Happy Hour podcast. EMDR is fantastic, especially for people with sexual abuse trauma, from what I hear. Anyways, he writes, I feel he needs to get some coping mechanisms to stop his negative spirals. He lives with his mom and has no job. He needs to get his life. I guess I just don't know what my role is here. My instinct is to fix him, but I know that's just wrong. Usually I hug him and while he cries. Sometimes it feels like the enjoyment I get out of spending time together isn't worth the nasty way he acts out when he is in a bad place. I don't know to what extent I need to cut him some slack when he refuses to admit any fault and instead views himself as a victim in all things. I want to see him get help strategizing his PTSD and start studying or working on something that will bring him fulfillment. As it is now, my love for him seems to be the only thing giving him validation and a good self-image. It's a lot of pressure. What can a bro do when he loves somebody who ostensibly doesn't want to get better love? Uh, I don't know if I can say her name. Well, you didn't say not to. Okay, Dale. Oh, Dale, I'm so sorry. Such a fucking conundrum. Uh, Yeah, I will say... Okay, let's start from I'm dating somebody who doesn't want to get their life. And what do we say? Well, I always say get your life. And what that means is get your ass into therapy, get your ass on a track to get your shit together. Okay. Now, if you're somebody who's gotten their life, it's really, really, really difficult to watch somebody who doesn't even want to really get theirs. It's almost impossible. <laughs> um, so you're telling me that this guy refuses to get any kind of help. Uh, I want to tell him because he's not talking to me. Oh, he's only been to talk therapy. Yeah, and it, it doesn't sound like he's actively engaged in any form of therapy. I hate to say this, my love. And in this case, part of getting your life is to leave him so that he has to get his. I know it sounds cruel. It's terrible, isn't it? It's terrible. But he doesn't have much of a life. Okay, he's in his 20s, which is fine. He lives at home. Uh, he doesn't have a job. He lives with his mom, and he's not getting help. So 
uh, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I've, uh, uh, in my experience, it tends to get bad, especially when one of you is really a productive person and is goal oriented and is really getting, getting their life. And the other one just kind of sinks and sinks and sinks and sinks. Uh, you don't mention substance abuse with him. I wouldn't be surprised if that's going to going to start or hasn't already started. Uh, he sounds very angry. You know what? I got to tell you, I'm just going to fucking Dale straight up, bro. <laughs> I think the best way you can help him is to be a friend, but maybe take the, you know, the boyfriend aspect out of it. Uh, the sexual part out of it until he can uh, manage the rage and the the horrible feelings of being sexually abused. I think, you know, cause really it just sounds like that might be reintroducing more. It's, it's aggravating him is what I'm saying. Like you probably being his boyfriend and being admit, you know, you guys are enmeshed in whatever weird codependent thing you're doing. And it sucks. I'm sorry. I know I hate telling people to leave people, but I just, I don't say abandon this guy, but for your sake, my love, Dale, you're very young, and I would hate to see you kind of stick around and feel out of guilt. And I, I honestly, I do feel like these letters, a lot of the times, I feel like you just want my permission uh, to go, to leave. Um, in which case, I say, yeah, you have my permission. Go and take care of yourself because, you know... <laughs> You got the only part of getting your life is to let other people get theirs on their own. You can't make someone, you can't force someone to get their life, but you can set a, a wonderful example. Uh, I had this great philosophy teacher, Dr. Makis at USF. He's now dead, but he was so great. He goes, uh, you know, you can't, you can't really force other people to do stuff, but you can affect how they live by how you live. And he was like, how is that possible? Well, because you set an example, right? You show him through your example, like, hey, I, you know, this is how it looks to live a healthy life. And if he's not on board, he's not on board. And right now he's not ready to get treatment. He's not ready to get help. It's not, it's not in his car. So it's just going to make you feel fucking horrible. But, you know, try to stay his friend if you can. I would take the sex out of it if you can. Um, start seeing other people. Now, I would not recommend this for a straight couple. Have you noticed that? <laughs> uh, I would not tell a straight guy to stick around with a girl. Why is that? Well, very on PC thing I'm about to say, but I don't give a shit uh, because I've grown up with gay man friends and watching them and their relationships. A lot of times gay men have the ability to fuck and then stop fucking and still be friends. I don't know what that magic is. I wish that straight people had this ability. <laughs> Gay men tend to be able to foster really close friendships and like have no hard feelings about not fucking anymore. Um, and if you think you can do that with this guy, Dale, I would recommend that you do that. Just fucking stop fucking him. Be there, you know, but just not as enmeshed, not as... Keep your distance. Go date other people eventually. I mean, don't let him know that right away. Oh, my God. Uh, but, you know, you, you got you to gotta get your life. Uh, poor, I'm so sorry. It's so devastating, you know. You, you like somebody and then 
you know, you find out horrible shit and you're just like, well, what do I do now? I can't leave them. I'm his one source of good thing, right? But that's not a reason to stay with somebody, is it? It's really not. It's not, it's not enough of a reason because that person desperately needs you. Because if you're not there, his whole world falls apart. Oh boy, that's way too much, right? Too much. And you're also gay men in your 20s. I mean, this is like, this is the height of your boning time, okay? Uh, by the way, gay men stock doesn't get any fucking higher than in your 20s. Actually, that's not true because I have a friend who's in his 40s and he's telling me now that there's a whole thing of like older gay dudes getting it. Okay, so maybe that's revised. But you know what I'm saying. You're a, 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 a gay dude in his 20s. Go find other dudes, preferably ones without so many um, things they need to work out. You know, And hey, this guy you're seeing, he might be great in a decade. He might be great in five years once he's processed whatever it is he needs to go through. But for now, my love... I think the best way to get your life and to help him get his life is for you to live separate lives uh, or just not be so enmeshed in each other's fucking Kool-Aid. Okay. 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 Um, <laughs> okay. We'll do one last one and then I got to fucking, I got to eat again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, here she goes. Okay, I'm 27. This person writes, um, I want to start living the last bit of my 20s life. I was raised by a strict religious mother and a drug-addled, sometimes abusive father. I was homeschooled until I went to one of the most conservative Christian colleges in the country. While there, I lost my faith and friends and became clinically depressed with no faith or friends, my college experience became that of sleeping 12 hours a day, existing on fiber bars my mother sent me because I couldn't find anyone to sit with in the cafeteria, and watching 30 Rock on my computer. I spent the summer of my senior year helping my father withdraw from opioids, only to be told six months later, after a Southern literature class, that he had died instantly of a heart attack. I graduated and returned home. I had to help tie up loose ends in my father's business. After that, still in depression, I worked temp jobs until a year later when my mother got married and moved to the Midwest with my sister. I went with them partly because my sister was being bullied at her new school and partly because I was worried what I might do if I was alone. Two years later, my sister is in college and happy. I'm working a boring customer service job. Uh, but I've gotten help and can manage the, manage the depression. I feel strong enough to leave and start getting my life, but how? I feel so old from standing still. I haven't had any, uh, any of the normal social and professional experiences for someone my age, and I'm embarrassed by it. Also, where do I go? What do I do? <laughs> okay. Uh, so cute. Okay, thanks and love. 20s questions. Well, 20s questions. You're so sweet. All right, look. I'm going to tell you something that uh, I think everybody needs to fucking hear. You're going to need to hear this in your life. And I... (sighs) Anyways, here's the deal. Here's the deal, 20s questions. You are not your past. You are not your fucked up daddy. You're not your fucked up mommy. You're not your fucked up homeschooling experiences. You're not your religious 
past. You're not your friends that you lost. You're not any of these times where you watched 30 Rock alone in your room. You are you today. You are the 27-year-old woman who wants to get her life. You're that person right now. So you got to stop flogging yourself for the person you were, for the things that happened to you. And I know it's a lot. You've been through a lot. It doesn't sound easy. Um, Are you really that behind? I don't think so. And I think it's a wonderful opportunity to experience, uh, excuse me, the world. Uh, You're only 27, boo-boo. You're not that far behind. And and by the way, I don't believe in this age uh, behind and this and forward and where are we? It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I mean, I think it's so, it's so, it's such a complex that it's such a self-inflicted complex is what I'm trying to say. Um, you know what I mean? Like it's uh, okay. So you're 27 and you're just now kind of starting your life. Great. Better now than never. Uh, you're 37 and you're just starting your life. Great. Better now than never. Like what else are you going to do? <laughs> Really, what else are you going to do but put one foot in front of the other and start your life? And you don't know what you want to do. You don't know what the fuck. Okay, what do I go? What do I do? That part, I don't know. You're going to have to ask yourself that. What are you interested in? What, what makes your, what tickles your taint? What, what idea, what crazy fantasy do you have? By the way, they're not all that crazy. The shit that you think you want to do, like, oh, I want to be a writer. I want to be a model. I want to be whatever. Yeah, you can do that shit. You actually can do that shit. Whether or not you'll succeed, I don't know, but you can take steps to do it. I think you just need the courage to take the leap of faith, right? And everybody takes a leap of faith at some point, right? There's a card I used to have on my desk before I quit my day job. Uh, It said like something corny, like leap, leap, and the net will appear. (laughs) And yeah, it kind of does happen that way. It takes time sometimes, but uh, but we have to stop flogging ourselves for who we were and where we came from, right? That's like number one. And find your guideposts. Find the people that inspire you. Listen to the people that inspire you. Don't you know? Find your um. You know, I always bring up Louise Hay. I love her. I love Tony Robbins. I love, uh, you know, Marianne Williamson. Find your gurus, your people that make you feel inspired about life. And f all the haters, man. You gotta, you gotta go with your, with your insides on this stuff. We've all had dark periods too, my love. We all, we've all had those. Uh, <laughs> The watching 30 Rock on your computer and being into it. Yeah, of course. For me, it was Puzzle Bobble. I think there was a few months in my 20s where I was on an unemployment vacation and I played Puzzle Bobble every day for like a month and just stayed indoors until my elderly neighbor was like, you know, you can't stay in all day, right? <laughs> I'm like, how did you know? Um, but that's okay. You're going to take baby steps, right? We're going to do the shit that we can do every day. You're going to start, you're going to go buy some career books. What color is my parachute? That's a great one. Uh, You're going to take some Myers-Briggs tests online. What kind of person am I? What are my interests? What do I like? Who am I? You're going to start there. And then you're going to gently move yourself in that direction because you've got no other fucking choice. What else are you going to do? You're going to fucking gray gardens it with your mom and your sister until you're 40? No. No, you're not. 
because you want to you want to get out you want to do shit you do you want to you just don't trust yourself so trust yourself take your leaps know that the net eventually appears eventually it will and just be brave my motherfuckers right you got to be brave you got to believe in yourself because you know who else is gonna and that's you know you got to create it the life you want you must actively create it actively actively it doesn't just happen fuck that it never just happens you gotta actively create my boo-boos so anyways uh i'm gonna go but i love you guys (laughs) email me that's deep road podcast at gmail.com uh and come see me do stand up christina p online for tickets and uh and that's it bros and until next time that's been d bro all right believe in yourself (laughs) now what i don't know philosophize philosophize with Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans This ain't your mom's house It's a different theme Gotta be critically thinking Like you caught up at a cocktail party Our thoughts start to sink in John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates Got us talking all properly, topically Just a comedian discussing these philosophies Serious questions, silly people What's that? That's deep, bro it is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.